Well, I think the main aim, we love our children. Yeah. And want the best for our children. And unfortunately, some topics are topics that we're not very comfortable about. Mm-hmm. But like I said, regardless of, of it, what we want is the outcome, the, a good outcome for our children. And like I yeah. said, let's be good role models for our children. Yeah. Let's have healthy families because healthy families would lead to healthier communities yes. overall for everybody. That's very true. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombat, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African Podcast. Today, we are here with my very good friend, Dr. Judwin Zhou, and she is a pediatrician in the United Kingdom, originally from Cameroon. And she's been here before. If you haven't heard of her, go to previous episodes and season one, and you will basically listen to her own episode. And she gave a lot of juicy information. So now we have her here to talk about childhood obesity, which is typically, I believe, a topic that we tend to ignore in our community because when people are fat or bigger in size, especially children, we feel like they're fed well, they're living a good life. But we're here to demystify a lot of things and I couldn't have anyone better than Dr. Judwin. So welcome again to Living Africa. How are you doing today, Doc? Thank you very much, Javi. It's a pleasure to be here again to, you know, I'm very pleased to be in this meeting today. So thank you for welcoming me back. Yes, yes, yes. And I am super honored to always have you. It's always a conversation. Like I really wish the audience could hear our conversations off record. Like we're, it's always such a good time talking to you. It's like, I always leave the conversation refreshed and that is my hope for the audience today. So let's dive deep into it immediately. So what is childhood obesity? Do I start by introducing myself? Oh, sure. So let's introduce yourself. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, you know, you've been here before, but please introduce yourself again for those who are new. Okay. (laughs) I know they have to watch the other episode. Anyway, as Javi said, or Anya, as most people know you, well, I'm Judwin. I'm a pediatric registrar. It's kind of the middle grade doctor in the United Kingdom. So in a few years, I'm going to be a consultant. It's eight years long in the UK. Oh but goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm also, <laughs> that time, I'm also hoping to complete kind of a fellowship in pediatric gastroenterology and nutrition. Mm-hmm. So my focus and passion really is the health of the gut and nutrition in children. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm originally from Cameroon, where I studied. I've been living in the United Kingdom for the past seven years. 
I'm also Secretary General of Camdoc UK, which is Cameroon Doctors Association in the United Kingdom. Yeah, and we've been friends from high school. So. I know. <laughs> Almost 20 years, right? <laughs> right. Just giving away our ages. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for that introduction. So now let's get into it. <laughs> I was super excited about the conversation. I forgot to even introduce you. Right. So my bad. <laughs> so uh, what exactly is childhood obesity? Right. So... Childhood obesity, simply put, and it's not as simple as it sounds, but it simply put is having a BMI, which is BMI is body mass index more than the 95th centile of the growth charts. So for people who have children, they'll know that when you go to a healthy store, everywhere there are standardized growth charts, even though some countries, like I think the US CDC has its own charts, UK has its own charts, and WHO has its own charts, but they're pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So as kids, you know that if you plot your child's weight, your height, and also the BMI, you can plot them on a growth chart, and then it tells you how well your child is growing. Mm-hmm. So if the BMI, sometimes we look at the weight in very young babies, just the weight only, sometimes it's difficult to measure the length of babies. Mm-hmm. Above the 95th centile, we call that obesity, and above the 99.6th centile, we call that morbid obesity. I'm using that definition because it's very easy to, the, the growth charts are available that widely available if you in the US you google it up you see CDC in the UK you see the UK ones in Cameroon WHO so it's very easy to tell plot your child's BMI you know and tell where your child falls and how to work out your BMI that's also important it's simply child's weight in kilograms divided by the square of the child's height in meters Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, as you were talking, I was just thinking, because, you know, like babies fluctuate a lot in weight, right? And I mean, when we say childhood obesity, does that include like babies? And if so, and I'm when I'm talking about babies, I'm talking about like infants, like less than a year old. And if not, like what is the age that, what is the age that you start, you know, calculating that BMI and trying to diagnose the childhood obesity? That's a very good question. So like I said, in some children, it's difficult to measure the, the height. Even in older people, it's mm-hmm. difficult. people can stand. So from yes. about two years old, it's difficult to measure the height. Under two years old, we tend to focus more on the weight mm-hmm. because to get the height, you need a special kind of a special device and you need yeah. to hold out firm, straight. Yeah. People, special technique. Not many people have that device or know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So don't focus a lot on the BMI. We use the weight more. But at that age, yes, you can have obesity as well. When we talk about the causes of obesity, then you understand that in young children, you can also have obesity. It depends on a lot of things. But yes, in that age group, you can also have obesity. And so how is that defined by weight for babies less than a year or even two? Yes, it's the same thing. So generally, we expect babies by six months of age to have doubled their birth weight, mm-hmm. one year of age to have tripled their birth weight. Mm-hmm. So that gives about a rough estimate So of where a child should sit. So we don't worry too much about the absolute BMI. Say if your baby was born with four kilograms, at six months, I would expect them to weigh about eight kilograms. But if your baby was born, say, two kilograms, and by six months, they're weighing eight kilograms, then I'll yeah. be worried. You know, yeah. so that gives about an approximate kind of estimate for parents. But yeah. then also you can use the growth charts to mm-hmm. see where the 
looking at, but what we tend to focus more is how the baby is growing overall rather than an absolute weight or point in time. So you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So what demographic or what group of people actually suffer the most from childhood obesity? Right. So I think at this point, if I want to talk about demographics, it's going to get a bit complex, but I'll just rather want to talk about the causes of obesity. Obesity, when we think about it, is calories in, calories out, right? But in actual fact, it's not exactly that way. Yeah. Obesity is a disease. Let's start by saying that it is a disease, yeah. but it's a disease whose causes are multifactorial. There's not one single cause oh, yeah. that's related to that. You know, that there's not one single thing that causes obesity, but at the end of it, all those causes tend to come together to be calories in, calories out, the balance of that equation. Mm-hmm. Childhood obesity tends to be more of, it starts being a problem. We don't worry about it under three years because generally true babies, you know, toddlers, they tend to follow their growth centers. But when they start getting to three to five years, when children can actually reach out, eat a lot, mm-hmm. when they start walking and they're a bit more mobile, then that's when we start to see obesity. But the age groups that are most obese usually are the 12 to the teenagers yeah. to like 18, 19 years. So those are the groups that have obesity the more because obviously they have money they're independent can go out buy their sweets whatever in the babies it's more about what the parents offer them and in terms of demographics obesity is much more common unfortunately in black and minority ethnic groups Mm. so if you talk about the u.s you're talking about the hispanics you're talking about the black children Mm. in the uk you're talking about the black children as well Mm. talking about asians not so more in the asians but more in the black children yeah to answer your question directly, that's the demographic that's more associated with. And Africa, on the other hand, is a completely different, it's a different, we're all black, obviously. So you'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I can't talk of demographics. Yeah. But actually it's- At more, least racial demographics now in yeah, terms so of racial social, maybe social. Social as well, in terms of social demographics. So it's a, it's interesting in the West, that's Europe, U.S., Obesity tends to be more common in the deprived groups, so the socioeconomically deprived groups. Yeah. Those are the groups where obesity tends to thrive more. You go to Africa, it's the reverse. Obesity tends to be common in the more empowered groups. So things like educational status, yeah. financial prowess, those are risk factors for obesity in, say, Cameroon, where I'm from. I can talk about mm-hmm. Cameroon and a lot of sub-Saharan Africa, but here is the reverse. Yeah, that's true. And that kind of strangely ties to the myth, which we're going to demystify down the road, like about, you know, if you're bigger in stature, then it means you're wealthier, you know, because that kind of correlation to that, you know, like, as you said, those who are basically of the wealthier socioeconomic demographic actually tend to experience obesity or childhood obesity more than, you know, those who are of the poor demographic. So yeah, we're going to definitely get into that eventually. Now for childhood obesity, like, can it be genetic or can it like, are they like certain risk factors, like enlighten us on some of the risk factors as well? Yes. So like I said, childhood obesity is complex and it's it's an NCD that's non-communicable disease. And yes, there is a genetic component to it, and sometimes it tends to run in families too. But we have, to, when we think about things like most things, if you're if you're from a statistics background, you remember they talk about the Gaussian curve. Mm-hmm. So 
the majority of people sit within that 95 centile and then we have very few people who lag along on both centiles so the very underweight children or the very yeah, the outliers people. the outliers exactly mm-hmm. so most people for most children obesity is all that mix of you know what the, the the cultural socioeconomic status those modifiable risk factors that you can change mm-hmm. or a small proportion of children obesity can be genetic there are some syndromes that we know that can cause obesity like a child is born with a syndrome mm-hmm. it, it with their genes so that's one thing but then obesity can also run in families so, so we tend some things we say they're genetic some things we say they're familiar so but when obesity runs in families it's not particularly that it's genetic it's just that it's more common in that family and there are other reasons for that but to answer your question sorry that I keep banging yeah. away oh no <laughs> but, no no that's fine yeah, as you can see, it's a topic that I'm very passionate yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. And, and and there are many paths to it, you know, is this not yes. just a straight answer? You yes, know? yes. You know how you said at the beginning that, oh, well, you know, children who are fat. Yeah, it's one thing. Yes, they are fat. But like I said, it's not that simple when you actually break it down. It's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much for that. Now, how does childhood obesity impact the livelihood of children? Like holistically Mm -hmm. so it's pretty much the same as in adults so at the moment you know child obesity has impacts children's life in various ways there's a physical part of it but there's also the mental and psychological part of it and if you talk about the physical part of it for starters having a bigger weight predisposes you to hypertension diabetes cardiovascular diseases and when you think about it you think actually you think it's far-fetched but actually i have friends whose children have type 2 diabetes type 2 diabetes is the kind of god yes you find in older people in adults yeah in adults because of obesity because in the past obesity was not really a problem of children it always adults but now you have children with type 2 diabetes and that's because of obesity Oh my goodness. Yes. So it's not a myth. And I know a child who takes metformin, it's an adult medicine. So that's, those are some of the impacts. Other things like fatty liver disease, mm. all the things that you think about, the, about obesity in adulthood, arthritis, yeah. and increases their risk to, of cancer as well. Yeah. But then we also talk about the, the psychological and the mental impact. It's bad, but you know how children are, you know, always the children at school who are going yeah. to bully. bully. Exactly. Children who are obese, they're more at risk of having mental health problems, eating disorders. Yeah. Uh, Yes, being bullied at school. And which is why when you're tackling obesity, it's really important to, the way you tackle it is really important because it can end up turning the other way and leading to a child with eating disorders. Yeah, yeah. You know, funny enough, like I, that that was actually one of the questions I had for you because first of all, let's break this down. Like I honestly did not know that, you know, obesity could literally cause children like that young to suffer from like all these adult diseases and stuff like that. You know, like those are one of the things that I was always wondering, because I know as adults, obesity or even just metabolic syndrome in general, you know, just from metabolic syndrome, you can literally, I think metabolic syndrome is like diabetes, cardiovascular disease and and overweight, like obesity, right? Or something of that sort. And from those three things, you can literally have all kinds of things coming after that, you know? So I honestly thought, Hey, I mean, if an adult is obese, likelihood that they have to hypertension, diabetes, and all those heart problems is very high. But I mm-hmm. honestly do not see that way for like kids. Yeah. And that's pretty sad because that just goes to show that, you know, 
I mean, they could literally have even a worse prognosis for all of this other secondary diseases that could come after, you know, as a result of obesity. So that really just calls for us to be more vigilant about certain things regarding obesity, which we're going to talk about as well as certain lifestyle changes and things like that. Now, with respect to the psychological or mental impact of obesity, one of the questions actually funny enough, because I was like, I wanted you to elaborate more on, you know, the impact of obesity with respect to eating disorders and even body dysmorphia. Like, you know, some people can even have bulimia and all of those things after being bullied by, for, I mean, after being bullied for being obese kids can now reverse it and then not want to eat and starve themselves and you know and do all those things which you know could affect them mentally so can you like elaborate on that have you had like cases of kids coming in with stuff like that you know mm-hmm. yes so I also work in a pediatric A&E so and I call you know general pediatrics so we see a lot of children with eating disorders it's usually anorexia Mm-hmm. which is the other end where you have a very the thin child who thinks she's yeah. fat, wanting to lose weight. But bulimia is also not, it's not uncommon. So we do see children with it. So the, the typical child with bulimia, they are the child who are on the bigger side. So they are fat and they are unable to control their appetite. So they want mm-hmm. to keep eating, but then they want to keep throwing up. Yeah. Or getting laxatives to try to take out the calories. So we do, we do see quite a bit of that. But we also see these children who come in with other mental health problems and they want to get because they want to end their lives they're suicidal that that one's also quite common like paracetamol overdose and things mm. so it, it's really important like i said it's not it's it's bad that children it's it, it, unfortunately some it, it's something that happens it's bad that children bully other children but unfortunately as parents what we want to do is give our children the best outcome we want to protect our children yeah as we can it's not always possible but it does happen and it puts them more at risk of of bullying and managing children like that complex other than you know within the eating disorder team we need psychologists and all of that to help manage their mental health yeah oh my god you know so when i you know, like when I used to go quite often to Cameroon, like maybe like over 10 years ago. Mm. And I've always been for more than half of my life. I've literally been a size zero, zero. I'm not talking about size zero. I'm talking about zero, zero. Like it's less than zero. So when you have XS, mm. I'm talking about XXS, like extra, extra small, okay. you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I was literally very tiny. You know, I was just skinny and tall, you know, and I remember every time I went home, my aunties out of good faith, I I know my aunties, they were like, this baby, like, do you eat? You need a, you need, you need, I need to cook and feed you. I need to feed you, you know, things like that, because it's just like, there's this ideology that the bigger you are, it means the well off you are, or the bigger you are, it means you're living life. You know, like I remember growing up, people were literally compliment somebody Mm -hmm. by telling them that they're fat. Mm-hmm. In a, like in a as a compliment like oh my god fato you must be living the good life you know mm-hmm. and to me i just felt like it was always weird and mm-hmm. derogatory instead but it's a very common compliment you know mm-hmm. i remember i was talking to a friend and he was telling me like he had one of his his classmates back in Cameroon, like he was always envious of all the men who had like big bellies and he was like i wish 
I wish I could just have a big belly. Like he was eating and mm. just going all out just because he wanted to have a big belly because a big belly signifies money, oh, right? In, in our yeah. community, which mm. is extremely wrong, mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted us to just like, address those myths in our community because I feel like they start from young and when mm -hmm. we grow up with that mentality then that's literally what we use as our point of reference yes, in terms I of what we want you know and yes. then another funny thing which I thought was really interesting I know we've been talking about you know having a conversation about this topic for a very long time and tell me about it <laughs> I know and and then it's like we were like it would be perfect to have a parent whose kid had once been yeah. obese or yeah. at least whose kid is obese or something of that sort and then to give insight on like their challenges that they're having trying to you know maybe help the child and stuff like that and both of us were like there's no parent that we know <laughs> that can even accept that their child is obese like yeah. even having that acceptance like if you can't even accept that your child is obese how do you expect the child to even know before accepting that they're obese right so I want us to really, really address all of this. And I'm glad that you have defined obesity, even though I'm very sure that some people will really not still understand, you know. So if there are examples that you can give and if there's different ways that you can put it to like address these myths that if your child is bigger, it means that the child is eating well or something of that sort. Please help us with that. Yeah. Why don't we start with the with some? I'll go to a bit of background and defining concepts. So there's people think that the first problem is recognizing obesity in your child. When I look at children who are obese, in my mind I think, oh, this child is obese. Have they having the parentosis? We all know when a child is, is right. big, but right. you see how to have boobs. Mm -hmm. under like eight should have boobs. The child will have boobs. The tummy be protruding. Mm -hmm. You know. And when I look at them, I'm like, have the parents not? realize that this child is obese but it's a very sensitive topic and one of my colleagues got told off at work because she told the child with a mom the teenager that the child was fat mm -hmm. yeah obviously you have to do it it's your job to do it but you have to be sensitive about it so the first problem is parents not being able to realize that the child is obese yeah and we have a lot of myths or things that i feel like sometimes that we try to find a it's not a very nice thing to say, but we make up excuses for it. People have told me, oh, but, you know, Black people have bigger bones, heavier bones. Mm. It's true that Black people have slightly heavier bones, but not enough to account for obesity. And like I said, mm -hmm. if you thought this, you would know it, like just mm -hmm. looking at them. The other thing people think about is that, oh, people think that there's a difference in ethnicity between children. Now, there was a study that was done a few years back. In the past, there was a lot of discrepancy between growth charts. People were like, oh, what growth chart should I use? What growth chart should I use? Yeah, American babies are clearly bigger than the rest of us. African babies are smaller, you know, so we need to use different growth charts. But then WHO undertook a study, a massive worldwide study, took countries from all the continents. In Africa, I think Ghana was used, maybe something, I think it was one country from each continent mm -hmm. babies of mothers about mothers about the same age group who were breastfeeding non-smokers similar economic status relative to the country that tried to make everything as uniform as possible and mm -hmm. follow up these babies throughout from birth to one year of age slightly mm -hmm. more i think and then to see how well they were growing and that's when they realized that babies born everywhere regardless of ethnicity, ethnicity yeah. grow at similar rates when put under the same environmental conditions 
Yeah. So that's was very important in breaking some of these myths. And now we know that, yes, babies in America are bigger, but that's because breastfeeding rates are low, obesity is higher. Mm-hmm. And over time, we know that genes change as well. That's a yeah. whole other topic. So when you think about these myths, and then so back to your question about, you know, the statues, the obesity statues and all the myths that we have about obesity. I think that where we come from in our background, there's a lot of children who have been malnourished. I've worked in a refugee camp. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with children who are malnourished. In Cameroon, some parts of Cameroon are very difficult to identify as some children who are really malnourished. And there are some theories that when people leave places like that and move here, like to areas where they start having so much food, access, yeah. access to food and eating a lot, then their body is a kind of, obesity is kind of a, mal- a maladaptation. Mm-hmm increased calories you know i don't know that's a lot but no long and short no obesity i'm sure a lot of us know that now it's not a sign of wealth it's a sign of bad fats yeah i know this diet for the most part yeah Yeah. bad diet bad fats there's fat in your tummy and fat in your tummy means that it's surrounding your organs and that's the fat that predisposes you to diabetes and hypertension and all of that so no friend recently told me that she took her daughter to visit cameroon and people said oh your daughter doesn't look like those bush fuller children like (laughs) her daughter obviously is normal weight Mm -hmm. but there's that expectation of society sometimes that if your child doesn't look chubby and nice and round and i always say yes they're nice and chubby and round as babies yeah you know but when they get into teenagehood and adolescence and things it worsens and their self-esteem and all of that comes into play so it's really important. Quite happy that we're talking about this today and trying to break this myth and get to people yeah. out there to be able to recognize it. Because the first step is recognizing that my child is obese or getting there. What can I do about it? But also it's important to even prevent getting there. Right, right. That's very true. So now, you know, while you were talking, I just thought about something, right? Can pregnant woman predispose the baby to obesity? based on her diet and lifestyle while pregnant? Uh, so, yes, some mothers have gestational diabetes. Right. It's only a, a woman who's got diabetes that can, because babies born to diabetes, mothers have higher birth weights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your baby is already, yeah, that, that already puts them at higher risk of being a bigger baby and obesity and things. But if a woman is eating properly and her blood sugars are under control, I don't think that will necessarily predispose the baby to having obesity. But it's it's very possible. There are myths that, are, to be honest, things nutrition is one of those things that is very difficult to do research around it because mm-hmm. you know it, it it's unethical to start giving people a poor diet versus a good diet, for example. Right. The only evidence we have is observational studies yeah but then the baby is also a very good parasite so if a mother is malnourished you may you very likely still have a very baby yeah you know so but then what the mother is very important in the baby's development so and if a mother is also eating poorly and putting herself at risk of gestational diabetes that's diabetes you get in pregnancy then it definitely affect the baby as well so there's the concept of 1000 days which starts from when first 1000 days of a baby's life so from when the mother is pregnant to the first year of a child's life mm-hmm. so, and people are talking about the preconception period because those periods are really important in baby's development so feeding young women giving them the right nutrients 
women who are likely to get pregnant is very important and already contributes to the first 1,000 days and even right. in pregnancy. So definitely what people eat in pregnancy is very important towards the health of their babies. Yeah. Talking about diet and what people eat, actually, you know, I honestly feel like as a new parent, this topic will be very insightful and helpful to me because I know I have bugged you like the last couple of months. <laughs> I had a big baby. Yes. I was, she was a big baby. <laughs> she was nine pounds, one ounce. Yes. But, <laughs> but it seems like all that weight was just on her height because she wasn't really like chunky like all the other babies mm -hmm. and then I started getting worried you know and then she wasn't eating like she's just not an eater and I'm not an eater as well and you know <laughs> oh my god I was going crazy I was just bugging you and bugging you like oh no I don't know what's going on you it's were like you dropped my four centiles I know <laughs> I know so now it's like when yeah. she when we were winning her and adding some solids to her diet it was so hard like she just will not want to open her mouth and eat even till now we're still struggling but she's eating more and then sometimes I find myself just like trying to overfeed her to make up for the times that she wasn't eating so that's yeah. something <laughs> that's something that I have to always like you know catch myself and say she's okay if she does not want to eat or if she wants to eat this amount of food she's fine you know mm -hmm. I always have to remind myself but then again you know you have a a time when especially when the child is growing you have a time when parents have a hard especially parents who have a hard time telling their kid no to stop eating they just give food and give food and give food especially when the kid is not like when they think the kid is not as healthy looking as the kid is supposed to be right you know and I really pray I don't fall into that category of parent but <laughs> it's I know so yeah. it's like, just like my aunt wanted to give me a, a burger or a plate of food. That's how some parents would try to like literally, for lack of a better word, force feed their children, you know, just to make sure that they're eating as much to get enough calories and stuff. So what will you really advise parents in regards to being more sensitive about the kid's diet? And I feel like we have to also incorporate a lot of exercise into everything Definitely. just because, you know, we live in a very digitalized age where kids are on their tablet. Like growing up, we went out to play and, you know, all of that. But what advice will you give to parents, you know, in regards to monitoring or at least shaping the lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle of their children at a young age? Okay. Thank you, Jabi. Very important points to think about. So for starters, let's go to diet, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is we need to get mom's breastfeeding. Right. Yes. So we talk about breastfeeding. Some time ago, I spoke to my friend in the US and she said her obstetrician said, oh, you know, what matters is baby feeds, breast milk bottle, it's all the same. And I was like, I was so flabbergasted. I said, how can he say that? Like, you know, so the first, like I said, obesity is multifactorial, but one of the ways that we can really prevent obesity is feeding our babies right from a young age and breastfeeding is best. Yes, the most important thing is that babies eventually have food, but it's important to talk about the importance of breastfeeding. So we know that babies who are bottle fed are much more likely to develop obesity in the future and alongside diabetes and all whatnot. Mm -hmm. A breastfed baby feeds and then tells the mom I'm full and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Bottle fed baby, you give the baby the milk and yeah. you give the baby what you want. Yeah. 
Babies often come with vomiting to the A and E. Parents are worried, oh, my baby's got reflux. Guess what the most common problem is? Overfeeding. Overfeeding. So just looking at from that aspect, how much milk do I give the baby? And especially young parents, parent, not parents think, oh, if the baby is crying, they must be hungry. Like yeah. them. But if you're breastfeeding, the baby will not take it if they're not hungry. Mm-hmm. So that feeding habit right from an infant is very important. I wrote an article on fussy eating. I'm, I think I shared it with you when you were, be, did I share it with right. you? I think you shared a couple. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. So, yes. Yeah. So the other thing is winning. The winning period is very important. Yeah. How you introduce food, when you introduce them. So let if you want to introduce, we tend to say introduce bitterish foods first. So start by four months, babies can start having testers. Just put things, vegetables, bitter taste first at the back in the mouth. You know, just have testers of food if you think they're okay to eat. So the healthy things first and the sugars, in fact, we have, we tell we tell parents don't introduce any additional sugars or salt in food when a child is under a year. So, but also that sounds easy, but then it depends on the habits of the household. So if you're in a household where vegetables are a thing of once a week or rarely, it will be difficult to get that child to eat. So when we talk about breastfeeding and preventing it and treating it, it's family intervention. It's not just focusing on the child. It's what the children eat. And even being a good role model for your own child. So things like obesity come to other problems like, say, constipation. Because if you're eating the, like all the high-fat things, McDonald's and, and sugary foods, and there's a lot of that out there, then you're more likely to be obese and constipated as well. So they come together. And I once had a mother in clinic who said, oh you know when is this child really constipated mother was frustrated I was like how often do you eat vegetables and she looked down she's like well not very often I said well you need to incorporate it everybody in your diet and unfortunately children are very good learners they will Mm -hmm. learn what they see so we be good role models to our children the other unfortunate thing is that there's a lot of bad adverts out there and that kind yeah. of goes down to the point of around screen time yeah so one of the things we talk about in obesity is proving exercise so it's calories in calories out at the end of the day isn't it? but now if you are a mother who cannot afford a good, good housing and you live in flats and you have a toddler and you can only live in a one-bedroom house how's that baby going to run around or right. play and things like that Oh, you're an immigrant. You don't even have time to take them to the park to play. Yeah. So, so and exposing them to screen time. So that becomes, so screen time now becomes the, the getaway card. The only thing you can use to distract your child. Yeah. Because, you know, that's easy and that's accessible. And then that's a real risk factor for obesity. If you think about, I always tell people, think about back home when we were younger. We went out to play. We we're friends with the neighbors. Mm-hmm. You climb the trees. We rode bicycles, we played tabala, dodgy, mm-hmm. you know, CISO, all of that. Those were important in keeping us nice and good weight. And if you think about it, not very many children when we were growing up were obese yeah. compared to nowadays because we yeah. were very active, you know. So, so trying to incorporate all those aspects into family life is really important. And I know that it's easier said than done. I know it's easier said than done, but I think we need to be really intentional about this. We have to think about the long-term outcome, the future of our children, you know, what do we want our children to be? 
and just having those healthy family habits eating habits things like box of cookies put it right at the top avoid buying sugary things anyway avoid buying Mm -hmm. use them every now and then as a treat Mm -hmm. if they want to give them water yeah breakfast not just juice and some people say oh my child doesn't drink water they only drink juice you know if they're really strong you can use sugar wash instead for example but water is important so you know having healthy snacks you can give a carrot instead of cheap crisp for snacks for example Mm-hmm. it's just about being intentional but I understand that sometimes it's difficult like I gave the example of the an immigrant single mom who's struggling yeah. yeah sometimes it's not easy and you can only give what you have yeah that's give. true yeah that's true and I know you'd mentioned that you know obesity is also common within like you know the older children like teenagers so mm-hmm. what advice will you give to that group of you know people to with respect to being sensitive to you know, childhood obesity. I mean, what advice will you give to those who are obese and those who have people in their lives that are obese on how to be more sensitive to that and also with respect to lifestyle changes? Mm-hmm. So, you know, remember I told you how my colleague got told off at work because she told the child that they were fat. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's important that we should we need to be sensitive about it. Me personally at work, I've made it my duty if an obese child comes, I refer them to their health store. I talk to the family about it and I refer them to the health store. I talk about the effects and everything, unless I'm really strong for time. So the first thing is talking about it like you're doing now. So kudos to you. But also... To you too. <laughs> it's easier said than done. I struggle to telling people in a nice way. You don't just mm-hmm. go about telling people, oh, your child is fat, oh, this, this, that, you know. And you have to do it out of concern, not just because... You know, you just want to talk about people. It's a sensitive thing. You don't, you know, you have to approach in a nice way. If not, the child then starts to lose their self-esteem and especially the teenagers. Yeah. And usually the, the other thing I didn't mention is that if the parents are obese, the children will tend to be obese. Likely be obese, yeah. yeah. And the yeah. children see obesity as the normal shape and size. You don't know what mm-hmm. goes on children's brains. If you normalize something, they come to look yeah. at it as normal. Normal. So the first thing, you need to, like I said, it's family therapy. You can tell the family, all right, we need to, everybody, we need to reduce screen time. Everybody, we need to go on walks in the evening, evening walks, you mm-hmm. know, just do it together and encourage them. Like some families have a group gym subscription. If you can afford it, you can do a group gym subscription, get the child into other things, swimming, yeah. uh, playing games, long tennis, you know, and things like that. I think, I think really that's, that's, the better way to approach it rather than isolating the child and saying, right, you're obese. I'm going to do therapy for you. You're just going to break that child's self-esteem. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you so much. And now coming to the last question, what will you say to our community? Like what can they really do to encourage a healthy lifestyle from a young age? I mean, I know you've touched on some of the things like, you know, in terms of like family values and upbringings, when what you normalize in the family, right? But out of the family and in our community, like how can we really change this mentality, especially when it comes to childhood obesity and stop telling people that they need a burger or they need something when they are not as big as you or as you want them to be? Yes. Yeah, that's it. My eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> I saw it. It's a it's a tricky question, honestly, because because I am so aware of it, and 
when I go around, I because I, like I, I see the importance of it. Like I said, I see children with diabetes, with hypertension, with low self-esteem, all those things. So it really bothers me. But for our communities, I think we need to start from the adults. Like I said, we are yeah. we need to be role models to our children. We still think that, especially with the men, I think women are making a bit of an effort. I have quite a bit of friends who are very physically active yeah. you know, and things like that. And we need to remember that obesity tends to be more common in boys than in girls for some reason. Oh, interesting. So, so should we be looking at the fathers? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <What> tricky question. <laughs> but when I look around me, I see a lot of Cameroonian men who are obese and some of them don't even realize that. Until yeah. yeah, that's very true. Yes, very true. Until they get diagnosed maybe with hypertension, diabetes, and then they start making an effort to want to lose weight or things. Mm-hmm. I think we need to start by looking at our own selves as adults mm-hmm. and and then start from there. You cannot be telling a child you're obese and things when yourself, you've not started with yourself, you know, let's go from there. Yeah. Also, I think we need to be able to, we need to be able to be, be more aware, be able to pick it up and yeah. not be afraid to talk about it, but to approach it in a sensitive way. Yeah. And don't be afraid to talk to somebody about it. Like, when it comes to nutrition, child health, people ask me a lot of questions. The only time I say, don't ask me if your child is seriously unwell. Don't be asking me to take the child to the hospital, but as much as I can. And I'm sure lots of other healthcare professionals, nutritionists, pediatricians, doctors around, they are very open to answering questions about child health, for example. Yeah. yeah. So think that we need to incorporate healthy habits in the family. Don't wake up and say, okay, this week we're going to diet or put your child in a diet. I don't, yeah. unless the child is really sick, they has diabetes and then the child needs, really needs to lose weight. Type 2 diabetes, the child needs to lose weight, but I don't think it's a good idea to focus on the child alone and say, all right, go and we need to take your exercise. You need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. You're just going to put pressure on the child. I think we we need family therapy. We need to have healthy families together. Yeah. And talking about therapy, there's just one thing I want to advise parents, you know, and I, I come back to this episode to get the advice. I feel like there are a lot of teenagers, especially Africans, or at least teenagers in our African community who are going through some serious mental health issues mm-hmm. and they're not really able to speak up or talk to their parents about it. Because as you said, as adults, it has to start from us. We have to create that safe space for them to have a conversation with us. And if you, you know, we spoke about the fact that parents actually don't even agree or accept that they're children are obese but then you can have this very obese child who's going to school and being bullied but Mm -hmm. they cannot even have a conversation with you not only because you did not set that safe space for them to come up to you but they are literally struggling on the inside and you have no idea to even initiate a conversation with them and ask them like are you okay is everything okay i've noticed that you're this way or that way so Mm -hmm. honestly i feel like it starts from us for us to be honest with ourselves honest with our children If you feel like your child is obese, don't feel bad that you're talking to your child or it's going to make your child feel bad. Actually, you're going to be helping your child, if anything. So if you feel, go and do that BMI test. Look at a BMI chart, calculate your BMI. You can literally do it at home. Measure your child's height, measure your child's weight. And there is a chart that shows you there's a range between this and this. I think anything over 25 is like, you know, overweight and then obese and morbidly obese. So if your child is falling within that range, then 
have an honest conversation with them. And you don't necessarily have to be condescending, but just try to see things that you can start by changing in the household and, you know, also having that conversation with them. I feel like I spoke for you. <laughs> well, no, wait, wait, wait. It's the same objective. It's the same of passing on the message, isn't it? Whoever. Right. echoing my thoughts yeah right right so what last words do you have to say to our people our lovely people Uh (laughs) good one yeah so well I think the main aim we love our children yeah and want the best for our children and unfortunately some topics are topics that we're not very comfortable about Mm -hmm. but like I said regardless of of it, what we want is the outcome, a good outcome for our children. And like I yeah. said, let's be good role models for our children. Yeah. Let's have healthy families because healthy families would lead to healthier communities yes. overall for everybody. That's very true. That's very true. Thank you so much, Dr. Judwin. It's my well, pleasure. I, it's, always, it's, always, it's always so good speaking with you, I tell you. And I know you're going to keep coming and coming and coming. Oh, and I know there's going to be another topic that will pop up and you'll be like, hey, let's talk about this. And I will be right there to have that conversation. Thank I you know. so much. And last thing, how can people reach you again? Oh, well, I'll share my LinkedIn. Yeah, I think so. My LinkedIn, my Facebook page. Actually, I may not see things very easy on my Facebook page, but mm-hmm. LinkedIn is a good one. I'm quite responsive to LinkedIn mm-hmm. and Facebook on Facebook Messenger. As people drop me a message, you know, I'll tend to see it though. I may not respond okay. immediately. Yeah. Usually. And it's Judwin, so I will actually put the information in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And I love you so much, girl. I love you too. Thank and thanks you so for much. all you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks to you as well. Thank you. And I would catch you in the next episode. Bye. All right, then. Bye. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.